Good morning to you. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. These will be our verses this morning. Verses. And we're going to focus on these verses. These are great verses for worship. They are great verses for living, but I want to use them with you this morning. Verses for VBS. Verses for VBS. Did you know VBS is one week from today? Can you believe it's June? Can, can you believe that it's just a, just a few weeks till Christmas? It's, it's already here. We're, we're moving right along. The Lord is, is blessing us, especially with the opportunity for VBS. VBS is upon us. We've got another hot air balloon story from Tim Hester. Okay. Tim was telling me he had a dramatic experience a few years ago. Several of the hot air balloons, as they landed, they landed in his backyard and all over his neighborhood. Okay. They just descended upon him. Out of the blue, didn't know they were coming, but they, here they come. And, and, and just like that, VBS is upon us. VBS is upon us. You can talk more to Tim about his experiences, he and Nancy, but... We've got to talk about VBS. VBS has descended upon us and we, we are ready and we've got to get ready. Okay. I was able to go up to, to be part of the Bible class at Hobbs Street in Athens this past Wednesday night and ran into some old friends of ours and yours, Don and Tanya Bowling. Okay. They're also getting ready for VBS. Let me tell you something after... Services, Tanya came up to me, okay? She said, been getting ready for VBS. She said, we keep thinking about Midway's VBS. We keep thinking about the years when we were down at Midway doing VBS, okay? That's because we've always poured our heart and soul into VBS from the way back all the way up to now. And we've got to do that once again. Matthew chapter 9, 35, 39. We were out and about the other day and uh, a young couple approached us and the guy of the couple who's a young college student he, he kept staring at me and so I stared back and he finally just broke the silence he says I think I know you I think I know you in fact I think I came I came and where you preach I said I'll tell you he says my name is Jackson so, okay, Jackson ends up, he is a good friend of Max Gardner's, and the Gardner's used to be with us. He said, I came, I came with Max to VBS, that's what it was, and I saw you there. Folks, VBS makes a deep impact upon hearts and souls. We must be ready. Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38 will help us. We see five words. We see the word Christ. We see the word crowds. We see the condition of the crowds. We see the compassion of Jesus. And we see the confidence that Jesus has. We're going to look at these five words and hang our thoughts on these five words here from Matthew chapter 5. First of all, Jesus is moving about. Jesus is going through the communities and He's teaching. Okay, it's all about Christ, first of all. It's all about Christ. If you look at Matthew chapter 9 you really see some features of Jesus Christ. first part of the chapter has Him healing a blind man, or rather healing a paralyzed man. 
Then you go down into the chapter, he heals some blind men. You can pick it up in your Bible. If you look at Matthew 9, 27, he heals the blind men. In the first part of the chapter, we read about him healing a paralyzed man. Then we see him in the middle of the chapter, he heals a lady who has an issue of blood. But also in the middle of the chapter, he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. And also we read in this chapter, Matthew 9, 32, that Jesus will cast out some demons. And then we see that Jesus also is working with Matthew and um, some of his friends. And then on top of that, we read in Matthew chapter 9 and uh, verse 35 that Jesus is moving about and he continues uh, to teach. This chapter is certainly all about Jesus. Notice in verse 35, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. VBS is about Jesus every year. Every year. Whether we're studying Old Testament or New Testament or anything in between, we're always pointing to Jesus and our need to know about Him, to be like Him and to serve Him. No different this year. We're learning this year to be a servant like Jesus. To be a servant like Jesus. And so let's think about this a minute. Before we leave the idea of Christ, let's see what he's doing. He is going into the synagogues. Notice that. He's going into the synagogues. And then earlier we read, he goes into the, to the homes. He goes into the house of, of Matthew or Levi. Matthew has gathered a great gathering there. And so what's Jesus doing? He's going where the people are. He's going where the people are. In, in their experiences, in those days, the people would gather in the synagogues to, to read and to study. And so Jesus, of course, went there. Sometimes people would gather people in their homes to hear uh, Jesus teach. For our experience today, we know that people will come to VBS. We have seen it with our own eyes. If we do our part, if we serve, if we talk about it, if we're excited about it, we're passionate about it, we know in our experiences that families love to bring their little ones to VBS and stick around afterwards uh, with them. We've got to do our part. We see, we see the brochures in the back. We see little postcards in the back. We've got our phones. We've got our mouths. We know how to spread the news. Don't tell them we don't. We know how to spread news. We can spread the news about VBS. Notice also, before we leave the idea of Christ, notice also that he's teaching the gospel of the kingdom. Of course he is. That's what it's all about. Our end goal is for someone to run slap dab into the gospel and learn about salvation. It begins with learning about sin. It begins with learning about Jesus as our Savior and then learning about Jesus and his sacrifice uh, in our behalf and, and his great resurrection from the dead. And, and we learn about how we are to surrender our lives to him. When we surrender our lives to him, he puts us in his kingdom and then we're able to serve uh, in his kingdom. So Jesus is going about teaching the gospel of the kingdom and we are to be about what he's about. Notice also as Jesus does this that he is healing people of their afflictions. Now he does this because he's so good and he's so powerful, but he does this also to, to uh, authenticate, uh, to, to prove that he is indeed the Son of God and his message is from heaven up above. The good news for us is we don't have to do all that 
proving and confirming and authenticating. The gospel has already been confirmed and we have it here in our possession. Now it's easy for us to tell people about it and invite them to hear all about the good news. So first of all, think about Christ. The second word this morning is the crowds. Look at the crowds. The crowds just gathered around uh, Jesus. But he wasn't peculiar to any particular situation. Sometimes there's a great crowd uh, on the seaside. Sometimes there was a crowd just bursting out the seams of a house. Oftentimes Jesus just met one-on-one -on -one or one, one and two with people. But Jesus was in the people business and we must also be in the people business. How can we get more focused on people? A couple of thoughts here. We've got to be devoted to God. Devoted to God. Someone might say, well, I'm devoted to God. Now I've got to get devoted to people. That's, that's not possible. It's not possible. If we are truly devoted to God, then it just is automatic. It just naturally flows from our hearts that we're going to be interested in people coming to God as well. It just flows that way. Okay. If you don't believe me, look at 1 John 4 with me, verses 7 and 8. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. John says it in sort of a negative way. He says, he that loveth not knows not God. See that? If you don't love other people, then you don't really know God. In fact, he, he clearly says there, to love God is to be born of God. Right? We're not really part of God unless we have become so devoted to him that we just naturally are concerned about people. Go on down to 1 John 4, 19. He says... We love others because he first loved us. And then John reasons with us in verse 20. He says, now how can you not love your brother whom you have seen and claim to love God whom you've not seen? He plainly says, if you cannot learn to love those you have seen, then you can't claim any love for God whom you have not seen. And it's just clear that those that love God loves others. So it comes down, if we're going to get focused on those who are outside of Christ, then we've got to go back and look at our devotion, our initial devotion, our true devotion uh, to, to God, the Father himself. Okay. We don't worry about batting averages. We don't worry about that. We trust in God. We trust in God. God's not asking for our success. He's asking for our faithfulness. He wants us to sow the seed. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, Paul said, I planted Apollo's water. God gave the increase. He that waters, he that plants, is nothing in the sight of God, but it's God that gives the increase. Okay. He's not asking for, there's no such thing as success okay, in the kingdom of God. It's all about being faithful to Him. And we let God worry. We let God worry about the outcomes. Sometimes we get on the wrong side of the page there and we have to take ourselves back to the other page. We have to bring ourselves back to where we belong. We don't belong in the place of God. Now, if we're going to get focused on crowds and on people, if people are going to become our business like people were Jesus' business, we've got to have also faith in mankind. It's not all bad. It's bad. Okay. That's why our prayer leaders will pray for the world and for the decisions people 
are making because it's bad. When Jesus gave the parable of the, of the sower, Luke 8, 11 through 15, you know, he says it's bad. He said there are some out there who have totally hard hearts. They're not even going to begin to allow the word of God in their hearts. There's going to be others you run into and their hearts are crowded, crowded. They have the cares, pleasures, and riches of life in their hearts and they're going to have no room for you and no room for the word of God. But then there's that other group that's still out there, Luke 8, 15, the good and honest heart. They're out there too. They're out there too. A few years back, we were having this talk in the media about the Pledge of Allegiance and some were saying, well, maybe God shouldn't be in that, that pledge. And others were saying, well, he needs to, the name God, God himself needs to be in the pledge. Some polls were taken back then. I remember writing that down. Some polls were taken among Americans and every time a poll was taken, over 80% said God's name belongs in the pledge. Over 80% those polled. See, and those, some of those 80% are still around. There's still some good hearts. There's still some people wanting to know, wanting to appreciate our Lord. Okay, we've got to have faith in mean, Any group can fill up a church calendar. Any group can, can come, can create activities. Okay? There, can, there are countless church activities, but it's another thing to get focused on those who are outside of Christ, those who do not know our Lord. So we see Christ, we see the crowds. Next, let's see the condition of the crowds. That is explained for us here in Matthew 9, 35, 38. They were, they were distressed and scattered as sheep not having a shepherd. I would suggest to you that first of all, they were confused. They were confused. They were scattered as sheep not having a shepherd. They didn't know what direction to go. That doesn't mean they didn't know how to get to the marketplace. It doesn't mean they couldn't make their way back home. Okay. It means in a religious way, in a spiritual way, they were absolutely confused. And we must know that much of the world lies in that same situation today. You think about when, when Philip is sent to the eunuch. We read about it in Acts 8, 26 and following. Philip is sent to the eunuch. Okay. What does Philip ask the eunuch first thing? He said, do you understand what you're reading? He's reading from Isaiah 53. Do you understand what you're reading? He says, what? How can I unless someone guides me? And so it's like sticking a bulldog to a, to a, to a raw piece of meat. Let's go. Let's go. He was, he's ready for it. Okay. And so they study. And, and before long, he's saying, here is water. What does hinder me uh, from being baptized? But that's the condition of the world. Okay. Remember when... When Jesus is talking to the woman of Samaria in John 4, verse 20, you know, she's beginning to learn that this, there's something special about this one. You know? So she says to Jesus in John 4 and verse 20, Our fathers worship in this mountain. That is, she's probably pointing to Mount Gerizim, close by. He says, she says, you say that you ought to worship in Jerusalem. Okay. She's all confused. Jesus said, she said, woman, the hour is coming and now is. That neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall men worship the Father. But the hour is coming when, when all the true worshipers shall worship in spirit and in truth. And those are the kind of worshipers that God is searching for. And that's the, that's the era, that's the time in which we live uh, even now. But see, she was confused. She was confused. The world needs the simplicity 
The world needs the, the clarity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who else? Who else is going to, going to, to take it to them? Who else is going to bring people here to here? If it's not going to be us, who, who's going to do it? You see. Not only was the, were the crowds confused, but they were distressed. Distressed. That is, they were emotionally twisted. And that's what we're seeing in our land. Emotional twisting. Okay. There's a down, downward spiral. And we see it all the time. But it goes something like this. Somebody gets rejected. And then from that, there's hurt. And then there's some self-pity that comes into play. And before long, there's some anger and some bitterness and resentment sets in. Once all that kind of collides together, what happens? Somebody lashes out. They lash out with, with terrible words or terrible deeds. They lash out from one degree to another. And that's what that means when they are distressed. They're emotionally twisted. And the problem is God is not in the equation. That's the trouble. You remember when Paul's in Philippi and he's in jail and the earthquake came and, and, and they're at the jail doors open and the, the jailer is about to kill himself. Paul said, do yourself no harm. Okay. Now, without God being in the picture, the jailer had no hope. But once Paul introduced him to the, to the God of the universe the merciful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then that changed the outcome uh, dramatically. Those lions back in the book of Daniel, those lions, they were licking their lips for Daniel. Okay. But Daniel was a servant of God. He was a praying man. No matter what the world was saying, he was going to pray as he always prayed. And that changed the entire scenario for Daniel. See, when God is in the equation, things change drastically. You remember when God is bringing the, the Israelites out of Egypt and they're running, they're running, and they're running. The plagues have happened. but They're, they're headed to the Red Sea. But, but Pharaoh is going to pursue. Bless his heart. He's going to pursue. So they get to the Red Sea and in front of them is the big Red Sea. Behind them are all these Egyptians. What did Moses say, Exodus 14, 13? What did he say? He said, stand still and see the salvation of our Lord on this day. And they did get to see the salvation. See, when God is in the picture, everything changes drastically for the good. And that's what these confused and mentally twisted people needed to hear in Jesus' day, and that's what people need, desperately need, even today. So think about the condition of the crowds. And next, let's, let's think about VBS in reference to the compassion of Jesus. Compassion of Jesus. It says here in Matthew 9 that when he saw the condition of the people, his heart went out to them. He had compassion on them. His great heart just throbbed for their condition. That, that is the key to the church. That is the key, that, that's the key of everything in life is am I going to be a compassionate person or not? Now, 
couple of our classes have been studying it as a guide at one of the old Leroy Brownlow books. Brother Brownlow, I think he passed away way back in the 1970s, but he, he wrote a lot of little good things for us to consider. And I kept a little article that he wrote one time on compassion. And he said the reason that we're not compassionate like Jesus is because we create little self-made prisons and we don't ever come out of these self-made prisons. Let me share three of these with you as we think about compassion. Self-made prisons. The first one he suggests is the prison of fear. The prison of fear. He points out very well, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay. In other words, if we're fearful, we didn't get that from God. God has not taught it. God has not suggested that we be fearful. It comes from another source than God. But it can become a prison for us. If we don't come out of it, then we'll never be compassionate as Christ was. Think about this. You've got this waitress, and she's in a pretty nice restaurant. She's working. In walks these three business guys, and you can tell how they carry themselves. You can tell how they're dressed, that they, they deal in a lot of money, and they push a lot of money. And they sit at this table, and the very presence of them is quite staggering to her. How is it that she, in her position, is able to go up and talk to those guys with such boldness? Here's the answer. She has something that they want. She has something they need. She has something they want. So she easily overcomes her, her perhaps fear of them because she knows that she's the bridge between what they need and what uh, they want and how, how they're going to get that. Okay. And that can dissipate our fear as well when we realize that people, that people they need the Lord Jesus. They need to come out of their confusion. We are the link. We are the connection. We are the bridge oftentimes between what they need and want, and, and they're getting that. Okay? So we can be something like a waiter or a waitress and just serve people because we know they need. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We've got the food they need. Jesus said, I am the water of life, John 4, verse 10. We have the, the water of life. Jesus refers to himself as, as the bread of heaven in John's. We have exactly what we have in our possessions, we have in our minds and our hearts. We live it every day. We have exactly what people need. That ought to dissipate our fear. There's a fear of prison. Then the second self-made fear is Self-satisfaction. Self-satisfaction can become a prison for us and hold back the compassion that we would give. Self-satisfaction. In other words, I have basically arrived. Okay? I have no more need to do much else other than just coast to the time of my death. That's self-satisfaction. Jesus came to the church at Laodicea with a message. They had become, the whole congregation had become self-satisfied. Revelation 3, 17, he says to them, you are saying, I am rich. You are saying, 
I have gotten myself riches and I have need of nothing else. Okay, notice what Jesus is saying there in Revelation 3.17. He says, but here's what you don't know. You don't know that in actuality, in the sight of God, you are poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. Now, it's most important for us to see how God looks at a situation. And even though they were rich, even though they had added to those riches, even though in their sight they didn't need much else, yet in the God's sight they were poor, blind, wretched, and miserable, and naked on top of that. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2, Paul's writing to that church in Thessalonica, and he says, he says, now you are following the Lord's will, you are walking the way you ought to walk. But he says, here's what you got to do. You got to abound and do more and more. That's exactly what he says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2. You got to abound and do more and more. Right? Self-satisfaction can become a prison that we live in for the rest of our lives. And it's not going to look too good at the end. If we had here this morning... 2,000 people, guess what? We'd be thankful for that. But in reality, that is just a drop in the bucket. That's all that is. If we have 2,000 people for VBS, it's just a drop in the bucket compared to the number of people that need the Lord Jesus. And then the third self-made prison is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. It's interesting here in Matthew 9... It says, Jesus saw the crowd. What do we see? When Jesus saw these people, when he saw their condition, he had compassion. What do we see? When we see someone else, when we see a crowd, when we see a few people, are we able, like Jesus, to be able to see that their real need are the needs of the soul? Are we able to see the big picture? Are we able to to look into eternity and see what is really needed by these folks. See, spiritual blindness. Some have said that love is blind, but love is not blind. If we truly love God and love others, we're not blind. We are, we see, we have an extra eye or two. We, we see the needs of the soul. We, we're able to have insight that others would not have because God is guiding us in his word. So these three self-made prisons can certainly, prison of fear, prison of self-satisfaction, the prison of spiritual blindness can certainly keep us from having compassion. We must have compassion. It must drive us. Okay. And then the fifth word this morning is the word confidence. At the end of this paragraph here in Matthew 9, 35 to 38, Jesus said, Pray ye to the Lord of harvest that he will send workers into his harvest. Jesus prayed this prayer. He asked others to pray this prayer. And with great confidence, he prayed it because we know it was answered. When you get into the book of Acts, you see these very disciples who are learning here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're learning. But when you open up the book of Acts, wow, here we go. What an explosion of faith. What an explosion of activity. What an explosion of courage. What an explosion of a boldness. Going everywhere, regardless of what the threats were, going everywhere, sharing the good news about Jesus.
Matthew 9 is written for us. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 is written for this week. These are verses for VBS. When we really consider Christ, people, conditions of people, the required, and confidence we can have in the Lord, and certainly we can have a good week. We can focus on Jesus like we never have before. If you need to come home to Him this morning, please make your wants, your wishes known right now as we stand together, as we sing.